Welcome to The Companion Pod, your podcast companion for the 2003 hit show, The O.C. My name is Sean. And I am Tiff. And Tiff, what episode are we talking about? It's episode four, The Debut. The Debut, it aired first on August 26, 2003, and 8.6 million people tuned in to watch this. And I was not one of them. And I was. And the numbers keep ticking up. More and more people are just getting washed, washed. Especially I don't know what for the right August. I know, right? Late August, um, they are they're getting pretty good, pretty good numbers for a new show. So, fourth episode we've had. Every episode we noticed has a the something as the title. We've an had article premiere, and a subject. We've had the premiere, the gamble, the escape, and now the debut. Right? The escape is that right? No, that's, no later. that's later. I'm way <laughs> off. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I. They're all mixed up in my head. Um, all right, so let's um, let's jump into this episode and share to start our two sentence summary, and then we will talk about our episode name. This was a little easier for me to summarize in two sentences because I felt like not much happened. I was this. Yeah, I know. I had a this harder time qu- summarizing it because I felt like not much happened. This, qu- this was quite a boring episode. Yeah. Uh, to have that many viewers, especially. Um, well, they didn't know I, what they were getting into. <laughs> true. <laughs> My two-sentence summary. The Coens officially take Ryan in and waste no time in bringing him into the family tradition of the annual cotillion ball. Both Ryan and Marissa are hesitant to attend due to Luke's jealousy, but ultimately make their debut, while Jimmy Cooper is forced to face his wrongdoing in the most public way. Oh, man, that was so good. Really nicely done. Mine is so bad. Oh, thank you. We can just stick with mine. I well, no, we have to we'll just, just summarize a, it's this a public shaming twice. kind of thing. Okay. I've got to, I've got to read what I wrote. Give it's me your two sentence summary. I forgot that this episode starts with Ryan being uh, basically adopted. Yeah, so. they they sign on to be his guardians legally. Yeah, yep. I I forgot about that part because I wrote the summary weeks a week after watching the episode. Uh, okay, here we go. The kids pair up for the debutante ball, the OC's biggest annual party, but it isn't all it's cracked up to be. So some folks take some convincing to attend. Jimmy Cooper's financial hijinks comes to a head when he's confronted by an unhappy investor who attacks him and ruins the ball. Yeah. That's what I got. You just made yours sound more sophisticated than yeah, mine <laughs> as the yours writer in our household. Yours is better. Well done. Um, before we launch into our favorite scene nominees, uh, the person we think won the episode, some hindsight critique, reality check, music, fashion, and so on, um, perhaps you can tell us what you would have named this episode aside from the debut. Uh, I had two names. I'm going to go with Welcome to the Family. Okay. All That's right. Which I wrote after I watched the episode. That's, there's no humor in that. That's just straightforward. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Am I always supposed to be funny? No, no, no. Oh, I'm very rarely, I think. All right, so yeah, Welcome to the Family. Musical Chairs was the other one I thought would be clever because of the the bouncing around of dates for the debutante ball and everybody having different dates at different times depending on oh, uh, that's you know, a good point. teenage yeah. moods. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I went with the title Off with the Kid Gloves which is a dig on the dress code requirement of the ladies at the Deb Ball. They have to wear these <laughs> white kid gloves. Well, they don't have to be kid skin gloves. They can be uh, any kind of glove, but they have to wear, you know, arm length gloves. Yeah, like elbow, up to the elbow kind of thing. Yes, yeah. yes. And also just um, to refer to the handling of Jimmy Cooper and his, you know, he's been, people have been delicate with him and now it's time I mean, it was off with the kid gloves this time. He got mm. punched in the face. Yeah, <laughs> so. bare, bare knuckle brawl in the debutante ball. And also That's just in general, <laughs> bare knuckle brawl at the debutante ball. <laughs> <laughs> off the, straight off the cuff. Yep. I'm going to be a boxing promoter. In <laughs> um, yeah, so we can go start going into some of the scenes that we enjoyed. Okay. Um, I will let you kick it off. Okay. Um, I'm going to kick it off by saying what you alluded to earlier. This was an incredibly, this is the worst episode of the four we've watched so far and podcasted about. And I had a really challenging time as I watched it, 
trying to come up with which scenes I liked. There were some good lines in different scenes. Definitely good lines. Um, and I wrote a bunch of those down, and maybe we can we can talk about those later. But the first one I have written down, which is kind of maybe halfway through the episode, because the it was really a dud, is just the debutante practice that they mm, that they mm-hmm. do, where they go to this ballroom and Ryan Ryan learns that they have to dance like. Reality check here, Ryan. You're going to a debutante ball. Of course, well, you're dancing. Okay, what are you doing here. But uh, either okay, can I, I'm going to let you finish your thought, but okay. then I have to go on to debutante balls after. Oh this. yeah, I mean, I think this is we're gonna. That's fine because um, I think we need to talk about them. <laughs> yeah. So I, the the debutante practice, they get to the ballroom, um, and Ryan gets paired up with Anna. So we meet Anna for the first time, and she's from Pittsburgh. Summer does not like the fact that she's from Pittsburgh. Tough, tough, tough Ew. episode for Pittsburgh. <laughs> or maybe a great episode for Pittsburgh because Anna is amazing. Um, so Ryan gets paired with Anna and they're dancing and and like there's a little bit of Summer, Seth, banter back and forth. Uh, it's the first episode. It's the first scene that just feels like there's a little bit of life to it. I can't even remember what happened yes, before. Yes, that was my first nominee for a, a scene that I liked. I wouldn't even call any of these my favorite scenes. Yeah, I actually like that Anna had a very good quip when she came on the scene in that in that scene um, where Summer is ridiculing any person who wouldn't have a date by now to the ball because Anna, is, of course, is a last-minute attendee, so she doesn't have a date um, and therefore needs a white knight, which is meant to be a backup escort. And Summer's trying to make some dig about who wouldn't have a date right now. And Anna comes in and she's like, I guess that'd be you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great Because I'm all set. Yep. Yeah. So that was such a good, I love anybody who's giving it back to Summer. Yep. Because she can be so snarky. Yeah. she had, And her snark was turned up on this episode. Totally. Yeah. They've definitely, um, I know that she was supposed to, Summer was supposed to be kind of a bit part, maybe not even a a full-time cast member and this episode felt like they were really trying to jam her into the storyline a little bit and give her some personality more than just the the bikinied broad uh, yeah more than just know, the sex appeal yeah walked in on in multiple times although she did have her bra they did have a scene in this episode where she's like just in her changing yep. and in her underwear um so that was i liked that scene just because it introduced anna and it just kind of stirred up the Luke Marissa stuff um, as well. So that was that was one of my nominees. How about you? Um, before I go into these scenes, we have to. Since you brought up the debutante ball, okay, and Cotillion in general, I I have to harp on this a little bit. So, how do you ever? I guess growing up here, you're from you are originally from the Northeast. So, did you have experience knowing? women young girls who did the debutante ball thing have you ever been to a cotillion never of the parties that have happened in the show i've only been to a casino night <laughs> so far <laughs> i mean it's the different. only one i can East check Coast out and a cool West beach Coast. party you know been to a couple cool beach parties of course of course yeah so, so no no debutante balls in my in my day and but like anyone that you went to you went to a uh boarding school anybody oh, that you, man. Went you to. had to, you just you censored yourself so bad there that was great Ooh. just boarding school you didn't want to you didn't want to you know I'm, are you surprised i didn't know anybody who had yes. debutante ball because yes. so okay plenty of preppy kids who went to my high school no i don't I, at least or i wasn't maybe i was a seth cohen i didn't know that it happened i wasn't invited okay okay <laughs> i'm only asking this because i want to <laughs> my experience with my understanding of cotillion, I always associate it with like a Southern thing, something that Southern wealthy uh, people did, like yes. uh, like Southern, uh, usually like something to be associated with, I don't know, some kind of club or, or association. You, you as a family would be associated with that club or association. You're very wealthy. Your daughter gets presented to society. It's like a kind of like a country club, but not always a country club. It's like sometimes it's just like related to a church or like a religious institution of some sort. Um, anyway, I always thought it was a Southern thing. I didn't realize until watching, watching back, rewatching, and this probably was like, what, four years ago, I rewatched the Gilmore Girls 
And the, anyone who has watched, which is another show that took place around this time. Mm-hmm. And actually, yep. Adam Brody was on that show as well. Yeah, before <laughs> he went to... Before he went yeah, left, he, he left ship. the show to go to the OC. Um, so this show was on around the same time. And there was a Cotillion episode... And that's when I was like, oh, I didn't realize, because that show takes place in Connecticut. I didn't realize that Cotillion was also a Northeast thing. It's, I guess it's just a wealthy neighborhood thing. I guess. I don't know. I Yeah. So I did some digging. because I was like, now I want to understand why on the West, why in California are they having a Cotillion ball? I'm glad you did this because this is part of my reality check. This does not seem consistent with the with West Coast lifestyle to me in general. Like I associate Cotillion with the really with New Orleans. It's a French thing that kind of transferred over here. Yeah. Did you already look into this as well? No, I didn't do any. I didn't do any research other than just being annoyed that it was in this in Southern California. Yeah, it just doesn't seem. It seems out of place. And maybe I'm wrong. We don't. I mean, we'd have to. We could ask our friend Amanda, who grew up in Southern California. Maybe she knows if this was a thing. But basically, I mean, as as it's everything that the show alludes to, you, it's for a society. It's a group of people who are wealthy. What I found is that there are different associations that will host cotillion balls in a given region. You have to pay to do it. Typically, you would have your mother would have done it mm-hmm. at this particular group or right. comp or club, um, and your grandmother and so on. It's usually multi generational. Um, and there are strict, there's a strict format to it, which is, you know, you wear the white dress, girls have to be brought in by their fathers, they're presented, then a boy comes and takes them and leads them off the stage. There's usually a dance that's done, sometimes with a fan or with just bouquets where they kind of circle around. Well, they put a bouquet down on the table, right? In this particular episode. In the Gilmore Girls episode, they use fans and they do like a circle, they do a dance in a circle. Okay. Um, anyway, it's also somewhat secretive because they don't allow promoting the event publicly and they don't really do a lot of like external photography. They don't, you don't see a lot of photographs or get the photographs aren't really shared of the cotillion events, which I thought was interesting. It's almost like secret society, wealthy people gathering together and celebrating the fact that they have daughters. Yeah. It's really interesting to me. I just thought it was a fascinating tradition. I wasn't quite sure. Um, I mean, I understand some of the history and it's definitely, it seems like in modern days, they've pushed Cotillion out to be more like something that you do when you're associated with a sorority in college so that you're closer to marrying age. Yep. Because the, the whole premise of it is really to show that you're ready to get married and be paired up with somebody. And that is significant here because of Marissa and Luke's relationship. And again, with Julie, for some reason, wanting to wanting Marissa to focus on her relationship with Luke so that she doesn't end up getting married to some guy in a trailer park, basically such a strange, those are the only two options. Yeah. There's no in between. There's There's also just no option for Marissa to go to college and potentially meet another (laughs) like young guy that might jive. Well, Jimmy can't afford it now. You know, she's going to have to, (laughs) she just has to get married off at the age of 18. Yep. Oh, anyway, that's all. I just kind of, I just wanted to talk about Cotillion and how out of place it seemed for Southern California. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that was that was part of my reality check. It just felt it felt like an odd thing. And sure. And then going into some of my favorite scenes, I of course love a good Sandy Sandy altercation. Not really even altercation here, but when Sandy gets back from surfing, Jimmy approaches him yep. in his driveway. Yep. To kind of apologize about the confrontation that happened at Casino Night where Sandy was taken aback that Kirsten had loaned Jimmy $100,000. And it, it it prompted Sandy to ask him, how much money did you lose? <laughs> yeah, it was like very lawyerly. It was hilarious. And, and, and Jimmy's just trying to politely d- avoid that the answer to that question. Yeah, how'd you lose it? And he just goes, how'd you lose it? (laughs) Just so like not allowing it to just pair off into, you know, pleasantries. It's like, no, I want to (laughs) know. It it was, it was very, I can see where Seth gets it from. Oh, totally. It was like, it was just, it just, it was a Seth moment for Sandy. Um, And it was very funny just because of the delivery of the lines and they're both lines are 
you know, very short and he's just genuinely like curious, but also like, Hey, Hey buddy, I won this. Yeah. I won this. I married the girl. Yep. I'm the one who got to go serve this morning. I don't have to worry about money. How'd you lose your money? What'd you do? <laughs> right? What'd you do? What'd you do? How'd you do it? How much you lose? Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> but then at the end of that scene, when Jimmy leaves, you can see that Sandy is genuinely worried. Yeah. Because they kind of, very different from any other scene I think that we've that we've seen in the first four episodes. They just sit on Sandy looking just past the camera as Jimmy's leaving. And you can tell Sandy's just worried about about Jimmy. Of course. He has got a thing for the underdog. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he and he did want, you know, at the beginning of the episode, the SEC basically comes to, to Sandy's door uh, to his office and Well, that's that's actually in. after he had this interaction oh, with Jimmy. Oh, it's after. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Then I that, got that, that And that makes, that makes Sandy aware. Like, oh, he is in... It's more... He's it's deep, a lot more serious yep. than than I thought, like where he just lost some money with some bad transactions. He's like in, he's under, he's under investigation. Well, I can give you another one of my scenes. Please do. Okay. Um, I also liked the scene with um, Sandy and Kirsten in his office. And they're kind of talking about Jimmy, but he's in, Sandy's kind of in work mode. Um, and they get in a little bit of a fight because she's defending Jimmy and the fact that like he's basically, you know, this whole narrative with Jimmy where he'd do anything, he would do anything to protect his family. Well, that's, and that's how Kirsten leaves it because yeah. Sandy tries to say something like he, you, you know, reminding Kirsten, this isn't your problem. And Jimmy has sort of made his bed and she tries to harp in on the fact that like, this could be any one of us. I, this could have been me because I would do anything for my family. Right. Same as him. So I could end up in this mess. This is where it gets really confusing to me though. That line and that narrative of Jimmy saying, I just can't say no to my family and I would do anything for them. Though it still is implying that it's Julie that he can't say no to in yep. all of her ex extravagant expenses. Yep. Yeah, that's what it is. Horses I, and... Yeah, I guess I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that a, a professional money manager hey, couldn't yeah. figure out... Anyway. He's got a weakness, Tiff. He's got a weakness. Trying to keep up with the Joneses. I guess. You know? Um, any other scenes for you? Yeah, I mean, this isn't really a favorite scene. It's just something I thought was funny. It's the scene where Ryan is going over to Marissa... After they did the practice and th there was an altercation, of course, between Luke and Ryan. Always. Always. The amount of fights that this guy, Luke, causes, I just, I don't know why more people aren't concerned about his attitude. But, like, they're always concerned about Ryan, but they're, they're, they're missing the fact that Luke is always, like, ready to brawl. But that's all, I mean, that's the case with anybody who's ever been in that position. There's always the kid the ref never sees. Okay. It's always that you're the the one who retaliates is the one who gets in trouble. Well, as a former dean of students, <laughs> it's a it's a really tough thing to kind of parse through. This is more a dig on Marissa, but Ryan decides he's going to go next door. He's going to talk to Marissa and he's going to explain because, of course, Marissa's lead Deb, meaning mm. she's in charge of managing the White Knights, which Ryan is a White Knight. He's a he's an extra. Yep. And making sure that the white knights have are escorting the girls that need extra escorts. Of course. And so he goes over, feels obligated to tell Marissa, I just can't go. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. That's his intention. But she answers the door in her debutante gown. Yep. Holding it up. Unzipped on the back. Or unzipped unclipped. It's un not really yeah. zipped, right? It's, it's straps across the back. Right. And does the classic, I can't seem to reach my zipper. As she's answered the door. You have a boy on your doorstep and you're answering the door, holding up your dress and you give the, I just can't seem to reach my zipper. Do you want to zip it for me? Ugh. Yeah, there was a few, maybe there was a few scenes like that in this episode that were just very heavy handed or on the nose with 
with those little moments between Ryan and Marissa. We we do understand that they like each other. We we get it. We don't need to be beat over the head with the scene where he's trying to dance with Anna and she steps in and is like, here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, put your hand lower on. And it's like, this is a, a one moment. And then the yeah. moment at the door where oh, can you can you clip my dress? You know, it, I don't know. There was it was it just I this, guess those this episode are the moments, felt younger. Yes, I was going to say episodes. We've that, so far. I, I that's exactly what I was going to say. It's it's like they just had to put those high school like moments in. So to appeal to the audience. Right. Because those are things that a 16 year old would relate to. Yeah. And we saw a whole lot more of the kids in this episode than we did see in other ones. Maybe the second episode with the model home. I, we, right. And we liked that episode because it was just, it was fun and goofy. And kids silly off doing and, things. Yeah. And kids are doing without stuff their versus, parents. versus having these ridiculous moments where, you know, they're helping each other put dresses on. Um, another scene for me that I liked was Sandy and Ryan when they both decided there was a whole section of scenes that I thought was okay where everyone, no one wants to go to, go to Cotillion. So like Marissa needs convincing and Ryan needs convincing and Sandy's out on the, like out of the pool and, uh, and like he doesn't want to go and, but Seth is ready to go and Kirsten trying to get Sandy to go and then he's like are you ready to go and says like I've been ready to go for 20 minutes because he's so excited just to go and be summer stayed and like he can't wait to go um which is very funny because he's the one who's just hates all of this stuff and suddenly like he's totally into cotillion um so I like that scene but then Sandy and Ryan end up realizing they're in the same massive house together that they neither of them went and they start playing video games and they have this little exchange where Sandy's basically like everyone here is a liar and everyone's got stuff. Everyone's got secrets. And Ryan says, what's your secret? And Sandy says, sometimes when the sun's coming up and the surfing is good and I haven't pissed my wife off as much as I did today, I kind of like this place. <laughs> and I just like really, this is a great <laughs> yeah. scene. And then Marissa comes and convinces Ryan to go to the ball and Sandy drives them in his. And just and refuses to wear a tux. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like that entire sequence, I I did I did think was pretty good. I know, and I also I'd just save the episode. Just, just to piggyback on that, when Sandy then goes and sits down next to Kirsten, and he is not in formal formal attire, and yeah. she's like, "You couldn't have put on a tux." Yeah, and what is he says like, "You got to pick your battles." Yeah, something yeah, like something that. along those yeah. lines. Yeah. yeah, but just such a he doesn't mind showing up at one of these events and like wearing a you know khakis and a button up. Yep. He's like, whatever. whatever. Yeah, what are they going to say? You're going to kick me out? Go ahead. Yeah. Any other scenes you liked? um, I was going to talk about the scene with, I mean, we don't necessarily have to talk about this. Marissa's mom saying, you know, this is before the debutante balls. This would have been before Marissa went over next door to talk to Ryan. It was when she was telling her mom she didn't want to go. Yep. And her mom holds the dress up and you know, is saying something along the lines of, I'm not a size zero anymore, but maybe after a few months on the zone, which I thought was such a, really a 90s reference, the zone diet. I didn't know if you had heard of the zone diet, so I thought I'd mention it. Just to really put us into the time period. The zone diet started in 95 and it was sort of, it was one of those classic like low carb diets. It focused more on inflammation, reducing inflammation. Um, but it encouraged people to eat in a 40-30-30 principle, 40% carb, 30% protein, 30% fat. Jennifer Aniston was like a big zone diet person and pusher. Anyway, it was just a very like mid-90s Yeah, I didn't even catch it. Thing. I didn't know what she was talking about. And of course, then she gives almost the exact same speech to Marissa about making things work with Luke and talks about and references her sister Again. breaking her mom's heart. Yes. Again. So I just wanted to note that Julie Cooper is really intent on <laughs> Marissa not ending up like her sister, essentially. Yep. yep. I also wanted to use this to to note that in tradition of debutante, debutante balls, the lead Deb or the queen or the whatever they label it is usually of a notable family in society and typically their own mothers debuted at whatever this institution or club was so it's interesting that julie cooper had no previous association with newport and she's from riverside and she's from riverside (laughs) and her and her daughter is the lead deb yeah 
I also have a, I, I guess I, I do wonder about the, um, Marissa just doesn't strike me as the person who would be organizing these types of things from what yeah, we know about her. She, I agree. You know, um, and we see some of that later on too with her and like the responsibilities that she has somehow earned or been given in different situations. And it's like, really, she can't, it seems like she can't make any decisions ever. And she's in all these positions to make decisions. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no she's sense. She's the lead person. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, all right. So I have a couple, I have, before we move on to who won the episode and some other things, I do have a couple quotes from scenes that I just jotted down. Maybe you do too. And we can yes, go through them. Yes, of course. Okay. So, um, a couple Seth lines because we haven't talked about Seth really, except for his excitement to go to the ball. He says when Ryan is, uh, welcomed into the family and told he's going to be, uh, you know, a, a Cohen. Seth says, you're a Cohen now. Welcome to life of anxiety and paralyzing self-doubt. <laughs> which, I, which I liked. Um, <laughs> I liked the, um, he also had another line, you just got your butt kicked and didn't even fight back. You really, really are, are a Cohen. Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> at, the, at the ball. And then when Sandy sits down at the ball, before Kirsten can say anything, Sandy sits down and just says, 500 channels and nothing on. <laughs> Which I also like yeah. as, a, as a good line. So those, yeah. are, those are the ones that stood out to me. Jimmy Cooper saying, now that the how and why have been accounted for, I just liked as a line after, I think, Kirsten watched Julie talk about like all the things she needs to do and it's all centered on getting needing a ton of money. And she walks out and Jimmy's just like, well, now that the how and why have been accounted for. Right. Again. Yes. Blaming Julie. Again, blaming Julie. Yeah. Uh, How about you? I, I, yes. Just going off of Seth, he made, he was trying to explain the cotillion ball to Ryan. And he, he said, it's just stupid cotillion stuff, bowing and curtsying. (laughs) And it's just such a ridiculous line. Like, like you're just, you just should know cotillion stuff, bowing and curtsying. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I have any other additional quotes. You kind of nailed them. I will say Summer had a quote that I thought was funny enough to write down and really only funny because it defines place and time her this is when she was trying to trade escorts with holly okay i think they were at holly's summer house again her beach house this okay my prior oh yeah at the bar she was sitting by the, the charcoal yes. grill that holly was running and she's pleading like with her to trade escorts and she says i'll trade you two tickets to jack johnson a massage <laughs> yeah. at burke williams and all the money i have on me yeah. Yep. That was great. <laughs> it was so good. Just like really like, oh yes, Jack Johnson and Burke Williams are just a popular spa in LA, I think, or in that area. Yep. Yeah. That I have, I have some thoughts on that, on that party we'll get to in reality check or just some, some questions. Uh, who won the episode? Anna. hundred percent. Oh, did you put Anna Absolutely. too? Absolutely. Anna is so cool. Yeah. She's great. She's and awesome. She just fought like, her coaching Seth, women find confidence sexy. That whole speech that she gives him, first of all, accurate. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the the just her pairing off with him and then leading up to him getting to reject Summer. Yeah, it's just she's great. Yeah, she's she's awesome. She was a she's like a necessary vehicle for Seth. In in his rising confidence, because when Summer comes back and she's, you know, distraught because now uh, Luke is is up, has stormed off. So she's not going to cotillion. She's not doing cotillion with Luke, which she was going to fill in for Marissa when she heard that Marissa wasn't coming. Yep. She so so she bailed on Seth. Yep. Right. And then for Luke. Well, she's also trying to trade Seth at the barbecue. Right. She's also the, trying to trade uh, him. The party. Then finally, Luke gets in a in a huff and decides he's not going with Marissa anyway. And Marissa's going with Ryan. And so she comes back to Seth and she's like, good news. I'm available. Yep. And he has Anna kind of by his side and he has that confidence. And he's like, nope. Nope. No, we're going to go over here. We're going over this way. Yeah, and he does this, like, he does, nope. like, the, nope. he does that dance, like, the old, mm. like, the 2000s dance, or it's, I don't even know what, it's like you're stirring the pot kind of. Oh, like, totally. No. No. No, we're going to go over here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she's, Anna is, is, uh, is really, is great. Um, and clearly, like, you know, likes Seth. They have all these things in common. 
Um, but yeah, she's, she's great. And she also reminds us of a friend that we have a little bit. Like she reminds, I, I said it to you when we were watching. So I think, but she's, yeah, she's a great character. She definitely won the episode. She was the, like, she was the only reason the episode has any redeeming qualities in my mind. Yeah. Um, cause this episode just wasn't great. Any 2021 hindsight? Oh, so many. You got so many. Okay. I have, I have a lot of reality checks. Maybe they're going to cross over. So the only, you go, you give your hindsight first. Well, okay. The, it's a, it's another Luke in his language uh-huh. complaint. Yep. So <laughs> again, I don't know if this line would ever be written today, but it's when Marissa is trying to show Ryan how to do hand placement with Anna for the waltz. Luke shouts over, I would be really jealous right now if Chino wasn't gay. Yeah. Another, I mean, that's is he, yeah. every episode. Was homophobia that cool back then? Oh, for sure. I guess it was. That, I mean, even just the phrase, that's so gay. That's so gay. Was, yeah, that was like was such a, a problem. Not to yeah. say it was cool, but it was definitely dismissed. It was in popular culture and it wasn't, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. You it know? was a popular phrase. It was slang. Yeah, and and people just it was just used kind of freely, and uh, not not really reprimanded. I don't no. recall teachers ever saying you couldn't say that. Um, I think teachers would. I think you kind of knew the people you could say it around. That's true. Luke said it in a very open setting, which just kind of. And then there's, there was that just there's that one kind of old lady who's. And one, two, three, one, two, three, one. And that's all she's worried about. She's just counting in her head. She's not going to tell Luke he can't use that phrase. Right. But he's used something like there's been a homophobic term. Every episode with him. Every episode. At first it was directed at Seth. And now it's. Now, now it's at Ryan. Directed at Ryan. Um, oh. Yeah. It's I mean, it kind of just gives a very good glimpse of who Luke is. Yeah. And then, then there's the other phrase that he says quickly after that when he's just talking to Marissa only and he says what I'm never going to get used to is that kid macking on you behind my back and I it's not necessarily 2021 hindsight but it and and this it's just a funny phrase like no one no one uses macking anymore it's been used a few times in this in this (laughs) series so far I think it's ridiculous but also Luke which one is it bro right are you is is Ryan gay or are you jealous and worried about him hitting on Marissa? Exactly. Which one? Exactly. Are you worried about the macking or are you not? <laughs> is he truly macking if he's gay? Yeah. Right. We're going to get a lot. I'm just going to, I know this is way off topic. There's going to be so much more Mac jokes and macking because of the quarterback that the Patriots have now in Mac Jones. I think, I think we're going to see like a oh, little Oh, you think the uptick. phrase is going to come back? I think, I think there's going to be some version of that phrase. There's going to be an uptick in it. Once he starts playing, if he plays well, but there's going to be so I, I bet you we might see some uh, in this in this region. Yeah. My other comment. Oh, I guess I'll save it for the fashion segment. OK. And no other 2021. No, OK. Um, that Yeah. That was the only one that stood out to me. I do have some I do have a handful of reality. checks. Yeah. What are so the reality checks? You already mentioned the cotillion ball being in Orange County. Yep. Yeah. I, I just said, I, yeah, I said is, is Southern California a debutant kind of place. And then it's more just little plot points or things that just feel off. Why is Ryan still in the pool house? Yeah, they so they can't give house. him a bedroom. Give him a bedroom in the house. Like, Why? yeah, is he is he a grown adult just living with you? Yeah, and I mean, Kirsten is child, so intent right? on him feeling like he's part of the family now and like we gotta go buy you stuff and make this place feel homely it's like you know what feels like a home you're home right you have an entire you can't tell me you only have a two-bedroom house (laughs) that's not a two-bedroom house there's no way the place is huge so that was one one piece that just like it's probably time for him to have a bedroom in the house um i also very concerned about the amount of food that holly got for the party there is the there's <laughs> so there's the scene I, I did notice where that. Holly and her dad are getting food and Jimmy it this kind of is the the scene that sparks the fight that happens later where Jimmy gets punched by Holly's dad because he finds out that Jimmy has taken or doesn't have all of his money, which is another reality check I'm I will hit on in a sec. But so they're walking out with like four white kind of takeout bags. They're they're easy they're easily carried by one person. And 
Then we get to Holly's party later on because the dad's like, oh yeah, Holly's having a party. First off, if you're the father and you know about this, these parties, horrible parenting. Oh, terrible. You deserve to lose all of you're your money to Jimmy Cooper. Clearly, clearly making a lot of bad decisions. You're giving your money to Jimmy Cooper. You're letting your daughter have a party every episode of this. Of this right. Every, I mean, Holly's house is the party Unsupervised. house. Unsupervised. What is going on? Holly has, there is no food at that party. And then the barbecue scene, she's she's barbecuing kebabs like seven kebabs <laughs> yeah and there's like 30 kids yeah. oh, what that party had way more way more dozens and dozens of children were at that party <laughs> and none of them are gonna really eat kebabs what a strange yeah like chips and dip selection of things what you go or with just doritos. doritos just open up some doritos open up some doritos it's 2003 and these kids are juniors what is sophomores. what do they have out there that's not taco bell is it like bell taco is that what they have? Out there. I know, but Jack in the Box. Just okay. get some Jack in the Box. Just get a bunch of it and like yeah. put it out on the yeah. table. Just some chicken, twenty-piece chicken McNuggets, whatever. But so there was like seven kebabs. Holly is manning the charcoal grill. Yeah, that also doesn't add up to me. That's also not accurate. Yeah. yeah. So that was a that was one. Um, the G- Julie Cooper Marissa scene that you mentioned earlier, just like as a reality check of like what is going on here, and then. Uh, the Tahiti trip, you did some research on the Tahiti trip. Yes. Which, and then my so, only other one was the $250,000 that Jimmy Cooper has lost that this Holly's dad needs to buy this house. It's going to be a great investment property. And all of the money that is being seemingly thrown around and like on these parties and these debutante balls. And this guy goes bananas over a quarter of a million dollars because he can't buy a real estate property like that it just doesn't add is that the only place you put your money is that the only place you have your money you should be angry that jimmy cooper lost your money but he's like hounding jimmy for this money like there's there's no time i gotta get this i gotta get this two hundred fifty thousand dollars. it just felt it just i don't know it doesn't it didn't add up for the sake of just the amount of money he needed and also, I looked into how much it costs to have the to do the debutante ball, and it in some places it's like fifteen grand. Yeah, fifteen to twenty grand. Yeah, it's like a wedding, like a that you're spending for your daughter to wear a white dress and like go to this formal event. Yeah. So the and then so let's talk about the Tahiti trip because you did a little bit so, of research on this, and I thought it was commendable. Right, you're referencing the Tahiti trip as which is used as Anna's talking point of initiation with uh, Seth. Seth, you know, in the first episode, we learned that he really wants to go to Tahiti. He wants to sail to Tahiti and he has this whole dream planned out where he would be with Summer Yep, doing it. And he meets Anna and she says that she's going to be sailing to Tahiti. This is after the debutante ball. This is the last thing we see her say. The last thing. So school is starting soon. We know that it's August, roughly. We don't know when in August it is, but it's definitely sometime in August. We know school's starting. And she's like, I don't know if I'll... be able to talk to you because I'm going to Tahiti before school starts. And we're like, she's sailing to Tahiti. She specifically stated sailing. And he, he, of course, that's like, whoa, that's exactly what I want to do. As like a class, right? It seemed like it was some sort of like program. It was, was maybe it was a program, but we looked into how long it would take to get from LA to Tahiti by sailboat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we found out that the fastest the record holder was still, how many days was it? I, think the, oh, I thought you wrote this down. So the, I think the record holder was maybe 10 or 11 days. It was days. like 12 days, I think. Just to get to Tahiti. Right. One way. And the average is about 20 to 22 days one way. So it would be it would be like a six-week round trip right. to we, do it. We were estimating it would take her at least, even if she's quick, it would take her at least five weeks. Yeah, unless she sailed there and flew back. But who who knows? Right. It just it the timing made no sense. This show this show episode the show aired on August twenty sixth. The show has kind of at this point paced its way and matched the time of the actual airing of the episodes. Right, like we're in the middle of summer. We know we know that school starts um, on the show in three episodes. Right, like. I, we, I, I know that. Okay. So we've got like a couple episodes and then school starts. So we're not far away from school starting on the show. Yeah. It just, the timeline. is not going on forever here. The timeline does not make sense. Unless this is like one of those sailboats that has a motor on it. 
that goes really, really, really fast. Yeah, because they know they got to get kids back for school. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then at that point, I don't know if you would actually classify it as sailing. Yeah, right. Then you're just motoring to Tahiti. (laughs) Right. Yeah. it's It's very funny. But also it gives something, it makes you think, oh, Anna and Seth have a lot in common. Yeah, right. Comic books, sailing. Yes. Um, my last question for you. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's one we don't necessarily have to answer today, but I want to put a pin in it. I want to. I think it's important. Is Summer a good friend? To no, Marissa? no, she's the worst. Okay, to Marissa though, because the, there are these moments in the first three episodes where she is loyal, stands up for her, says some stuff that's kind of like, oh, okay, she leaves her for dead. True. Fair. We have talked about that too. Good point. Thanks for remembering that. But there have been moments where she like steps in and is tells people to leave Marissa alone. That's true. Um, She's a feisty. She's like a little chihuahua. Yeah. But this episode really kind of, kind of made her look like a crappy friend. Yeah. She was ready to swoop in and take her boyfriend. And she was ready to swoop in and take Ryan. She was willing to take either one of them. Right. She's trying to talk to Marissa about like, I, I think I like Ryan. Yeah. And Marissa says, you don't even know him. And she decides, well, I know him now after a two minute scene with him because he's got no date to the debutante ball. Very odd friendship. Very. Yes. And then when Luke is free, she's willing to be Luke's date. And she's I don't know. It's made to seem like she's doing it to be a good friend to Marissa. But I I don't really see that as the case. here. Right. And I and I don't know if maybe they're trying to. They're using Summer being into Ryan as a way to push Marissa forward with facing the fact that she wants to be exclusive with Ryan. Right. Because Summer doesn't, right now at this point, Summer doesn't really know that Marissa and Ryan are anything. If Well, they're not anything. Right. But she likes him. Yes. And you I think mean, she a friend that, would have that sense. But she also makes it clear that it's very surface level when she says that, you know, she's into this whole brooding bad boy thing and says, you know, he's wounded and she can save him. Summer says that. Yeah. Yeah, right. But that's also clearly a guy. I mean, she helped him with the model home thing. There are all these lines that are drawn that Summer, while being obviously a little bit flaky, she's kind of socially aware. And she, I, I just, I think we need to return to this question every now and then. Just remind her, just, is Summer a good friend? Yeah, is Summer what we should just give a summer friendship rating scale every yeah. episode. I think she gets a two out of 10 this week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What about fashion? Oh, okay. So fashion, I had a few things here. Um, I noticed that Seth, fashion. I noticed that Seth was wearing Vans, mm, mm-hmm. which was interesting just because he's a skateboarder. We've, that's been, that's been shown, but Vans have definitely made it, you know, in the last like two or three years, 2018 to now, they have definitely like they're omnipresent if you walk down the street. But I, th- they definitely had like Converse was a thing. Yes. People wore Converse. Well, Vans were kind of pushed aside. And I just thought it was interesting that in 2003, that's what they put Seth in just to kind of show that he's cool. Maybe it's a South, a Southern California thing that was not as big of a deal up here, but. That stood out to me. Seth's wearing some baggy pants in this episode too. Disappointing yeah. with his pants yeah, choices. That's, um, speaking of Converse shoes, Marissa is wearing a, this is when she shows up to the debutante ball after first saying she wasn't going to go and she shows up late. She's wearing a red halter top with low rise bootcut jeans yep. and Converse shoes. Yep. And I just noted that her neckline that halter kind of neckline her mom's dress is the exact same yeah halters i mean i've said it before halters were so popular Mm -hmm. halter tops with that deep v neck was so popular for both formal wear dresses and just like tank tops in general so marissa nailed the 2003 outfit perfectly also it's an outfit that right now is very popular i mean converse shoes just like, have they ever gone out of style? I don't know if they have. They did. They were. I. I would say around two thousand three, they were not a. They were not shoes that, at least, people wore that I knew until, maybe just after I graduated from college. I remember buying a pair and feeling like I was, with the with 
doing something that a bunch of people were doing. I was definitely not on the cutting edge. It was more, oh, everyone's got Converse. I, I should buy a pair of Converse. I, I never, they were never on my radar until yeah. I met you because oh. you had a pair. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have and I don't have a pair right now. But um, <laughs> so the only other, well, two things. One, I think you've been passionate about as we've watched, but I don't think we've talked about yet. And one that I noticed that is was like a trend that was so, so big at my high school. And maybe you'll notice it. Guys wearing a polo shirt or even a button down shirt with a t-shirt underneath it you mean okay like so a like a call like a collared like a golf shirt right so with, with three a t-shirt buttons, under it with a t-shirt under but with the butt with unbuttoned the three yeah, buttons i mean you wouldn't button it up all the way to the right, top right. like a maniac you know you'd have the top button undone. so why did people wear the t-shirt underneath it i it was just a strange but everyone at my high school it was just a very I remember, odd. I do recall the wearing the short sleeve button up shirts with a shirt underneath it. Yeah, which is another which is another thing at my high school too that was very popular. But I don't popular. remember the polo shirts with t shirts. Yeah, underneath. polo shirts with a t shirt underneath. I don't know why. Actually, you know what? You're right because I went to a high school where in the sum in the first month and last month of school we had a, we had a uniform. And only first month and last month you were allowed to wear polo shirts instead of the Oxford yep. like tops. Yep. But like full button up tops. Yep. And I do recall guys wearing I mean, you had to wear unfortunately you had to wear white t shirts. You couldn't have any words that could show up. Sure. But yeah, you had to wear white t shirts. So they would wear the white t shirts and they'd have the polo buttoned down. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. It was, it was a trend. It was a trend. And maybe it has to do with my school had a dress code. And it was a boarding school. And so you could very easily just like throw on a polo shirt going to class. And then when you're back in your dorm, you just pull your polo shirt off and you have your T-shirt on. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot easier than. That's true. I, I don't know. But I, it was it was a thing. I remember I remember doing it and feeling like this is so uncomfortable. I'm this. I don't need this. An first extra layer. thing. Yes. And they're in Southern California. Hey, I've already commented Anyways, on the leather jacket. It'll, it'll show up. I'm sure it'll show up a, a few times, but that's that's one. Marissa's hair. Marissa's hair. You you. Well, I've always like, said that she's looks a mess. But I don't think we've said it on the podcast. I think we've oh. only said it while sitting on the couch watching <laughs> these shows. Yeah, I mean, she. I think she. I'm gonna give her credit for this, and maybe that's not the case. But at a time when women were really straightening their hair, I remember even buying a hair straightener in '03. I believe I bought a hair straightener in '03. Um, I, at a time when people were doing like baby bangs and really straight hair, she was doing beachy waves. And I guess maybe that was just to solidify her persona or her character as being like the beach, Southern California beach girl. But it just came off at the, and at the time I'm sure women were like, oh my God, that hair, that like natural wave is so awesome. And maybe it did spark a hair trend that I'm just not aware of, but she in as I'm viewing it for the first time in 2021, I'm looking at her hair going, oh, my God, it's you. It looks like terrible. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she showed up to the debutante ball after like bedhead. Over, and it, yeah, it was like she just got out of the shower, took a 30 minute nap and then woke up and was like, I guess I've got to go to the ball now. Right. Yeah, it was a it was a mess. Anyways, yeah. there's another scene in this episode. Maybe it was at Holly's party where she's talking. She like goes over and talks to Ryan and her hair is just. It's not wet and it's not dang. I don't even know what yeah, it was. Yeah, it's like she put she gel in sallow it. too. Like the whole. Yeah. It's a very odd. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I agree. Anyways. There's a there's a scene at the very beginning. Um, it's when Ryan and Seth are first going to the practice, the debutante ball practice, and <laughs> some guy running the, I guess, outfit choices just points to a rack of tuxedos and says <laughs> yeah. like, okay, the Gucci and the Armani are over here. Yeah. And the Versace's that the way. The Versace's that way. And I just went, excuse me? Yeah. Who, where are these Gucci and Armani suits coming from for this teenage cotillion event? Yeah. Is there like a local tuck luxury tux rental service? Or do, do you have to book your Gucci suit ahead of time? Or you just show up and you get it off the rack? Yeah. Again, making me wonder about that Two hundred fifty thousand dollars that that, right. guy, that Holly's dad needs. Right. Um. Anyways, yeah. So, music. 
I'm going to let you lead this segment because I didn't really make any notes on music this episode. So I didn't either. I didn't catch any, but oc.fandom.com has been my go-to where they collect songs and they, they, they do a bunch of stuff per episode. So if I notice one, I'll write it down and then I'll, I'll kind of reference it or cross-reference it. So here are the songs that showed up on this episode that, okay. they, that they note. Um, a song by Liz Fair. Ooh. Called Why Can't I? Okay. Um, a song by Leona uh, Nace, N-A-E-S-S, Lazy Days. Not a song I, I recognize or know. Uh, a song by Brassy called Play Some D. That does sound familiar. There was a P- Smashing Pumpkins sh- song called To Sheila. Mm, I'm not a big Pumpkins fan. And then Dido's White Flag. Oh, played yep. kind of at the end of the episode. I think these are usually listed in order. Um, but so Liz Fair and Dido and Smashing Pumpkins, obviously I recognize, but I, there was no song as I was watching and think again, because well, this episode is not great. It's not tied to, there's not a, a scene and a song tied to one another that made me uh, go, oh my gosh, I remember that song or uh, I remember, I can tell exactly who that artist is. Yeah, nothing stood out to me. Really yeah. nothing stood out to me about this episode. Yeah, it was a tough, tough scene. But, it, you know, that's that's what happens when you have a 27-episode season. They're going to get good ones, you're going to get bad ones. And this was one that I just didn't really particularly like. It, def- it set the tone for some other stuff. Jimmy Cooper's plot has now kind of been put into the the front of everyone's mind and we're going to figure out what's going on with him after he just gets punched in the face by a unhappy client. Um, obviously Ryan and Marissa again and Luke breaking up with Marissa. Are they on? Are they off Tiff? Are they on, right. on again, off again, over and over again? We're going to just you know, spin, and at spin the, the wheel. At the end of the episode, Ryan is comforting Marissa because her dad has just been punched publicly. And we see he, I think he gives his jacket to her. Mm-hmm. And then of course Luke comes back yep. and he's just like, I, I want to be here for you. Yeah. Speaking of stalking, he's right. Like standing behind the two of them, watching them. But then what a weirdo. Yeah. It's just the classic, <laughs> uh, you have these two guys and if I, I get the sense that this is going to be a constant theme. It's a good sense, Tiff. Okay. You sniffed it out. Great. You sniffed out the Fantastic. Well, yeah. I guess we will we will come back next week and discuss episode five. Yep. And um, yeah, that was a good. I'm hope, hopefully it'll be better. I know that you've already seen these. I haven't, so I'm hoping that we'll get a little bit more action next yeah, week. Yeah, we got some good ones coming up. Oh right, some good ones coming up for sure. Great. Well, All thanks right. for listening. Yep. We will. Uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.